Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Pillar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guest is Jevin Dovey for his third time on the Golden Hour Podcast. If you're not familiar with Jevin's work by now, you should definitely go check him out on his YouTube channel with over 600,000 subscribers. He's a YouTube educator, filmmaker, and storyteller, and recently he started to go into a completely new niche on his channel. Not only is he doing camera reviews and YouTube tutorials, but he's also starting to get into narrative story telling on his channel. So this conversation, we talk about what it's like to get into a brand new niche on YouTube or niche. You can say it both ways, apparently. We also talk about some of the tips and techniques that Jevin has learned being a YouTuber now for several years. So without any further ado, let's listen into my conversation with Jevin Dovey. All right. So here we are again with my good friend, Jevin Dovey. I think this is your third time on the show. I think so. Thanks for being here. Yeah, number three, and I finally get video. The last two times we've done <laughs> audio only. That's true. That's true. Uh, this podcast started as a video channel, and then we decided to go audio only, and now here we are again with this new YouTube channel, looking flippy fresh. Got a little bit of uh, what were you saying, Edward Snowden look going? Yeah, on I, there. I mean, you're not gonna know where I'm at. I'm just in this gray room here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, so my YouTube studio, I keep changing and I keep changing how I want to shoot things. And I've gotten to the uh, point where I'm like gray wall. I'm just going to use a gray wall for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you doing this, man. I, uh, you know, as I said in the last episode, Jevin and I have a, uh, a really solid friendship relationship, accountability kind of call thing that's kind of what we talked about in our previous episode but you're doing this incredible new niche in the um what's it called overlanding and you've told some incredible stories already and uh yeah i mean i want to talk about it the process of essentially switching niches in a way i mean i feel like i'm switching niches kind of because my focus is still helping online content creators make better videos but I'm doing it from this kind of adventure filmmaking standpoint. And so I'll, what yeah. I want to do moving into 2021 or what I wanted to do moving into 2021 was actually make more adventure films. And so uh, Overland is just something that I've always been interested in. Like I enjoy the, I bought a, I bought a Jeep Gladiator last year to build out, to build, to do these overlanding trips and, you know, as that warms up, you know, hopefully go with my family and go do camping trips and things like that. But um, it's just a, you know, right now with the way things are in the world, it's an easily accessible thing for me to go shoot films on. Um, so yeah. I've done a couple overlanding videos and I've kind of been playing around in that community, but I'm still like making content for content creators. And so my kind of strategy or what I've been doing is make an adventure film, but then talk about how I made that film and make other kinds of videos around those adventure films. Well, see, when when we started YouTube, I, you're, you're kind of more of a, uh, you've been in YouTube longer than I have. I've only been doing it now professionally for three years, but. Are we professionals? Um, are we professionals? I, I mean, where's that line of professional versus amateur <laughs> in YouTube? I mean, do you is have it, to be is, a full-time YouTuber to be a pro YouTuber? No, I, I mean, if you get paid to make YouTube videos and I you guess. clearly get paid to make YouTube videos, that qualifies as being a pro, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're all learning but, how uh, to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. But when I was getting started, kind of the thing that was said was like, find a, a niche or niche. How, how do you want to say it? Do you want to say niche? So, okay, I actually had this fight with some people on my in my comment section. It was like a running <laughs> thing for a while where people yeah. were calling me out for saying niche or niche. Like I would say it differently in each, each video. And I'm, I actually I'm looked it up. I'm insecure about the word. Well, I finally <laughs> looked it up and it actually can be said either way. Like both are okay. correct. <laughs> both, both as in both and both as well, like you just said. Yeah. There we go. There's another one. <laughs> Apparently, and, I have uh, some other things I say. I don't know. Like, there's different, um, like, grocery bag. I say bag. <laughs> well, it's just because of the location that you're from. It's it's all good. I know. I'm from the south. That Pacific North. I say y'all. Yeah, it's true. So. I mean, I'm a Pacific Northwest kid, so. <laughs> uh, at least you don't say a, a boat like the Canadians, right? I, know. I was Nothing close enough. That. I mean, no, I was pretty close to the border there. 
<laughs> also, I must say, uh, I know this is pulling us out of the video here, but it is quite hilarious that you and I are talking to each other through the lens of our cameras right now. And yet both of us have, I have my laptop right here with you. I'm like basically just looking at your chin. Yep. It's, we're, really nice. it's, it's the chin vision. Chip vision. <laughs> chin vision. Oh, do you like my see-through chair here? This is so I don't oh, spin yes. around. Like this is the, this is oh, a chair. A, a, a non-spin chair? Yeah, I needed a non-spin chair because, uh, you know, otherwise I'd be doing like this and like going back. Because yeah. I have that, that thing over there that's a big contraption. This was yeah. a chair for a fitness video I shot. So um, <laughs> now it's my clear chair in my gray room. And then that's the other thing that you do too. You're a, a pro uh, fitness video maker, but we won't get into that on this episode. Maybe for your fourth uh, podcast, we could talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about commercial work. <laughs> but back back to what we were originally talking about with the niche. Niche. I'm going to just say that niche. Um, I was always told pick an, an, a niche and stick to it. And the more niche that it is, the better. Um, and so I took that advice and ran with it and I decided instead of reviewing all sorts of different tech, I would stick to specifically camera gear. Mm -hmm. And so I reviewed almost every camera under the sun and, you know, I had success on Kinetika and then on Indie Mogul was staying in the filmmaking niche. Um, and same for you, right? Like you were kind of in originally the travel vlog space, but then transition to more of the gear thing and now yeah. here we are you're expanding can we talk about is that still true to this day like should people niche down when they're starting their channel uh yes and no i think there's kind of two ways to look at it so my journey on youtube i started out in travel vlogs and i really didn't grow that much when i was doing travel vlogs so I mean, it was kind of my experiment, experimental phase. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people jump into YouTube and expect like all this growth to happen. Like yeah. doing 50, 100 videos of just kind of playing around, not expecting money, not trying to like get every affiliate link to be converting and things like that. Like there's this period of just learning what to do. And I think for me, it took a lot longer yeah. than some other people because I think I made 200 videos of these travel vlogs that were you know, they're not the best videos in the world. Like I was just trying YouTube content. And then I finally niched down into the filmmaking space and I got into product reviews, but more of what I found success in was doing kind of beginner tutorials on filmmaking and creating video content. And then, you know, reviews also wrap up into that. So my thoughts nowadays when it comes to building a YouTube channel is that it is important to niche down kind of at the beginning. So when you're a new creator, when you have a smaller channel, it is important to really focus in on one topic and really become known for that. And then as you grow, you expand out from doing just that one thing. I think the trap door is getting stuck in doing the same thing year after year and then come two, three, four years down the road you're now left in the dust because other people are evolving their channels and your channel is literally the same thing and your subscribers aren't interested anymore. So when it comes to niching down, you never want to lose your personality. And that's, I think, a big key component of building a YouTube channel is what you bring to the table. So even if yeah. you are niching down to just camera reviews, you should still have something that's very you baked into that and as you grow, you can get more organic and try different things and play around, throw in a vlog here and there or throw in just some creative piece that you've been wanting to do and see how your audience responds. And I think that's kind of the approach you want to take is niche down, but then as you grow, try different things and see what works for your audience. Exactly. And I think when you're getting started and nobody knows who you are, it is a good idea to talk about things that people are searching for. It helps you show up in the search results on YouTube. So in our case, reviewing, you know, topical cameras was was a good way to get discovered. I mean, for you, you've had a lot of success doing drone reviews and different things. I mean, drones still is a huge topic on my channel. I just did a video this week that was 13 drone moves. And that video, as soon as I put it out there, it popped off. Like it just took off and it's, you know, gaining so much yeah, momentum. Right. 
Uh, it's, I'm looking right at it. Yeah, it's, it's a great video. Um, but it's it's crazy. Like I'll put, you know, the video that Dave was mentioning earlier on the, these overlanding videos. I'll take a week, two weeks to make these videos, and they won't get a ton of attention yet. This drone video, which is just footage from one of these overland trips, I took two hours to make this video, and it's like performing super well. But that's just understanding what my audience is and still making videos that I know my audience wants to see and then experimenting kind of in between. Um, and at the end of the day too, as a creative and as a creator yourself, as a person, uh, like you do want to do things that you enjoy, right? Like maybe yeah. the two hour edit of the 13 drone moves gets views, but the film that you made like I I called you up as soon as I could get a hold of you, and I just wanted to tell you how impressed I was with the film, how much I enjoyed the film, and it's a great way to connect with other filmmakers. You know, it, the views might be lower, but those views are more important because it, it's people who really love your work and and love what you're doing, and uh, you know, you got to balance that as an artist, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to on YouTube, you kind of have to play that game. It depends on what you're going to do on YouTube. If you want to be just a straight business and that's what you're doing, then yeah, there's a way to approach YouTube that's a very business mindset. But, you know, for this creator space that we're in where, you know, we want to create films and we want to be doing these other things, not just making reviews or tutorials or whatever your thing is, you know, that's when you got to kind of break out and be creative. And I think the cool thing on YouTube is that, you know, as we get deeper into this YouTube space of like creators building channels and this, this story driven content, you're going to see more and more people turning to YouTube for their entertainment and yep. less to TV. And I actually was having this conversation with uh, an Overland channel earlier today. We were looking at some different channels in that niche because he's full-time Overland and I'm kind of just playing around by doing some videos. Um, you know, some is this your buddy who you went out with? Yeah, he's actually on the last trip with me. Um, we worked together. It was a cool partnership because he comes from the overlanding community, so he's knowledgeable in how this all works, and I have no idea what I'm doing. So he was able to help me technically with the overland side of it, uh, where I was able to, and then I was able to focus more on creating you know, an interesting story out of the trip. And then we teamed up and we shot together. So he's a great shooter as well. And so we were able to get some really cool looking footage. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's like, if you're looking for an Overland channel, he's a great channel to look at. Yeah. Justin McBride, right? Jace, Justin B. McBride. Yeah, I got pulled up here. Definitely go check it out if you're interested. Um, so with that being said, what are some kind of, tactics that you think people should start to implement say they're in a similar position that you were in previously where maybe you're doing reviews or, or just kind of you're stuck in kind of a rut in terms of your content what are some of the things that got you to a place to where you found like hey this overlanding thing might work for me yeah what are some ways to kind of explore that and to start slowly you know folding that into your content so I think kind of a good strategy that I've been playing around with is like one for me, three for you. So like making one fun video for myself and then creating a few videos, you know, in between that are more geared towards what my audience is looking for and the stuff that I know will do well. So doing a review or a tutorial or a breakdown, um, but like having this pace of, you know, every once in a while, maybe it's once a month, maybe it's once every other month, just doing one of these films or videos that you actually care about. And don't care about the views, don't care about if people are going to watch it. I mean, you're going to find that core audience of creators or core, you're going to find that core audience of your followers that actually will watch the things that you care about, not just information. Yeah. I think one of the biggest pitfalls when it comes to being an education channel or a review channel or something to that nature is you get stuck in people just wanting information or they're just, they yeah. just want uh, your opinion on if somebody should buy this product and they don't actually care about the person behind the camera and what you're actually doing and what you what, like how you feel and how you think when you're making your content. Um, there's a great book called Super Fans by Pat Flynn, which I highly yep. suggest I told you, you read. About it. 
What's that? Because <laughs> we we interviewed Pat on this podcast, and and then I told you the next day I was like, dude, you gotta buy this book. <laughs> well, I, now I'm telling all of you, you need to buy this book and you need to read it Absolutely. because it has a lot of insight into growing a, a audience that actually cares about what you yes. are care about. And once you can yes. find that core audience, then those people are gonna be with you for the ride, for the journey. They're gonna come along and join and watch the films that you like to make or the vlogs or the artsy yeah. films. Like they don't care about just getting a review of whatever camera you're shooting on. I think um, if you go on YouTube and you watch, you know, if you watch my interview with Hayden Hillier Smith, if you watch interviews with Mr. Beast, uh, you gotta remember they're, they're in a different niche altogether. Like Hayden is editing only entertainment. Logan is an entertainer and I just listened uh, Marquez Brownlee did a podcast interview with Mr. Beast. Have you listened to that one yet? Uh, I have not listened to that one yet. Go listen to it when you get a chance because it's really great to hear Marquez interview uh, Jimmy because he asked some questions that actually relates to us as reviewers, like basically asking Mr. Beast, like if you were me as a reviewer, like how can I make like entertaining content in that? And, Jimmy actually says like there is some kind of rules applied to us that's different than just purely like uh, entertainment that is just, you know, I bought 5,000 cameras and gave them away. Like people are coming to us for value. They are searching for, you know, Canon C70 review like that in the title shows up in search and it's important to include those boring words in your title because we are filling that kind of need for people so it's kind of hard to like listen to Hayden and and Jimmy and just take their advice at least this is what I'm finding because on Indie Mogul I was experimenting with this idea of like just pushing for entertainment and I kept hitting a wall where it seemed like people were pissed off that I wasn't giving them any uh, value I was just being funny and so there is this line of like, you do have to provide value. Yeah. And value is going to change depending on the kind of content that you're creating or what your channel is. Because a review channel, the value is, you know, you know, is this piece of gear or this thing that I'm reviewing, like how is the viewer consuming this and are they getting a honest purchasing decision from watching your review? Whereas a tutorial, they're coming to learn something. They're not coming to look at fancy B-roll. They're coming to actually get something out of that video. Um, I think a lot of times that word, uh, you know, value is thrown around. Like you need to provide value in your videos and people don't really define what it is in that like YouTube uh, education space. They just say, give value, give value. So uh, one thing I've been trying to do is figure out what exactly the value is for the people that are watching my videos and focus more on that and not be caring so much about all the visuals and everything being perfect because you know I don't need to have a two minute intro of B-roll on a camera. Like people are coming to actually see what this camera's about and get some thoughts on it. And you know, the I've built a following who understands the, like what I'm gonna bring to the table. So that's why people will watch my review over someone else's. And that just comes with time and you know, putting in the work and putting in the content so that you do have this core and this kind of fan base. And that, uh, that 13 drone moves to fly like a pro with DJI mini video that we just referenced as the, of the time of this recording, you posted about a week ago, it's performing really well on your channel, over 50,000 views. Um, and the, you do have some good B roll obviously, cause it's, it's stuff that you shot for the film, but, um, but it's really all about what you're saying. And I've noticed that to be true. Like you said, like you could spend all this time on this fancy B roll, this slick B roll. But if the meat of your, of your video, the, you know, the talking head bit, if there's no value there and you're just kind of rambling on, um, people won't watch it. And you have 13 solid tips here. And one of the tactics I remember telling you, I liked that you did here when I watched it is you just got straight into it. Like there's no big intro video. It's literally like you click the video and then you just start talking about the first point of the 13 drone moves. And is that a new tactic for you to kind of just get straight to the content and not worry about this big 
intro of like, hi, I'm Jeff and Dovey, and I'm a filmmaker, and here's my cool, slick intro. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting because, uh, again, it, it depends on where you're at in the YouTube journey for you to kind of make this flip from making these things that people start recognizing to just getting right into the content. And I've actually been discussing this with Nick Nimmin, who's a big YouTube educator, because he's been doing the same thing that I've done where we're stripping out our intros. We're kind of just like getting right to the meat of the content because we have this base that actually knows who we are and what our channels are about. Whereas if you're a new creator, say you have 100 subscribers and you're making tutorials or a review, it is important to let people know what they're coming to your channel for. So that's why you'll see people say, hey, I'm Jev and Dovey and on this channel I do camera reviews, adventure films, and blah, yada yada, your, your uh, value proposition. And then they yeah. might do an intro. Because when you're new, and this is going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, when you're a new channel, you really want to work on search because that's an easy way for people to start finding out who you are. Especially if you're in some sort of education review style of content, like you're going to have to play the search game because people are searching for a C70 review, an A7S3 review, how to shoot in low light. Like people are looking for these keywords and then you'll start popping up. And I think, you know, so I think early on, it's, it is important to kind of let new people know who you are. But at the same time, I think an audience is getting smart and it's kind of getting annoying to just have the same, hey, I'm Jevin Dovey, subscribe to my channel, like my page, comment down below, you know, up here there's a video <laughs> you should watch. And also after, the, you know, like all that fluff just like draws, drives the audience away. You look at one of Jimmy's videos, within seconds, he's boom, boom, boom. You know exactly what the video is about and he's already voted someone off the island. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a great exactly. example, but again, he is a massive fan base. So he doesn't have to have any sort of setup to know who he is. Whereas I think, you know, it's, it's hard to gauge what you should be specifically doing at your stage of the journey. Because if you look at, say, my channel and you're trying to grow and do something similar and you're using the exact same tactics I'm using, they might not work because of where you're at in the journey. You might actually need some of this other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's interesting, but yeah, definitely dropping more and more of the fluff and kind of just getting right into the meat, especially when it comes to tutorials like that. Like people just come for the thirteen tips. Exactly. Sponsorship. How do you how do you get sponsors? And I I think if if you're new to this world, you see everybody doing it. Like this video brought to you by Squarespace. This video brought to you by Storyblocks. By the way, I just got a box from Storyblocks. Did you get this? No. Uh, so I don't work with Storyblocks. I don't even have an affiliate link with them. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. They gave me a they gave me a little beanie and a blanket and a mug. Cool. I got one of those from DJI for Christmas. I got like a notebook. <laughs> Did they give you the DJI gave you the notebook and that really weird anime like magnet? Did you see? Yeah, that? I didn't. I didn't really understand everything that was in that box. And I got like a mug. They love the coffee mugs. Yeah. They assume everyone drinks coffee in this community. I mean, that's not wrong. It's not wrong. Honestly, I drink but coffee. I'm a little offended. But I have a lot of coffee <laughs> mugs from brands now. By the way, what are you shooting on? Are you shooting on the A7S right now? Yeah, A7S Mark III. I, I, so I was using the A7C in my studio, and it's been overheating. So I am now oh no, really? not sold on the on A7C the, uh, anymore. Did you turn on the like overheat extending I don't know. menu item? I might need to check on that. But I did a 40-minute yeah. video the other day, and it overheated. So maybe I can turn that off. There's a menu in there because it can get hot to the touch. And so they, they do that so that your hand doesn't like burn. But if it's on a tripod, it doesn't matter. Don't mind me. I'm just going to be setting up my settings here. <laughs> I'm shooting on the C70 and I am just truly, I, I feel like I've turned to the dark side a little bit because Canon is totally like the, the golden child of cinema cameras. Um, and it's overpriced, but man, is it a solid, little workhorse i'm really loving it aha uh -huh. you're right i had the temperature not set right i did this well that sucks well, i'd be shooting go. on the cool. c70 right now or sorry yeah i'm, I'm i'd be shooting on, on this a7c right now if uh you know <laughs> I, I didn't have that menu swapped 
sorry i'm i'm a little bit of a, a gearhead over here so um so yeah sponsorships uh tell me about how you got into it um i know you know you've worked with different agencies before um th this is a whole world that maybe people starting out might not even be aware of is how do you get into the sponsorship thing and is it worth doing for uh, somebody who's ready to start doing that so for okay so sponsorships is interesting topic and i've been shifting how i do them recently because i'm kind of getting frustrated like trying to deal with sponsors on one-off videos like doing all of these different sponsorships like it just i feel like it kind of detracts from the channel if every video is like hey sponsor this hey sponsor that hey sponsor this i mean i understand like creators need to make money um, but I also see on the other side of things, how much sponsors are offering channels and like, sometimes they're just so, so low. It's like, it's like a slap in the face because we put a lot of time and effort into making these videos and these videos live on our channels forever and to throw, you know, a hundred bucks at us or something is kind of crazy. So, yeah, I, it can be a little offensive sometimes, but uh, you know, they only do that because they know that you might say no to them, but somebody else will probably say yes because they need the money. Yeah. So when it comes to sponsors, there's kind of different ways that I've been able to get sponsors. Sometimes they just reach out to me. So uh, I actually don't include my email anywhere anymore. I just do it through a contact form on my website because having your email plastered everywhere seems like a great idea because then people can contact you. But I was getting so much spam and so many people trying to hack my account and as soon as I put that layer of putting it through oh, a forum shit. on my website, like I don't yeah. get any spam. It's crazy. I think I should do that right now. Yeah. I mean, it's super <laughs> important. I took it off everything. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So this video is not sponsored by Squarespace, but I make my website on Squarespace and it makes it super easy. <laughs> so right, the deleting my email. So the other way to get sponsors is to approach them yourself and just sending an email to a sponsor and saying like, Hey, I like your products. I'd love for you to sponsor one of my videos. Like you might get some hits here and there, but really what you want to do is have a full thought out pitch of what you're providing and who you are, who your audience is and just like everything so that a sponsor can get an email from you and you stand out from the crowd. So again, not sponsored by Squarespace, but I make all of my pitches on locked pages on my website and it's just done templated. I made an entire template for my sponsorship proposals. I go in, I fill in the information and I send that out to companies and I've been able to get bigger sponsors because of that, because they see the entire layout of what I wanna do the films I want to make or the videos I want to make, the price, my audience, my analytics, it's all in one place. And then they can make a decision and keep the conversation moving forward. So so you basically make like your own deck essentially on your own site and you, you might put related videos or maybe some other examples that relate to that. And, and, and the thing is, like, I use Squarespace, so smart. it's all drag and drop. So basically, I've built a template, and then I can put in new videos, new photos. I make it look really pretty, but it, it looks like it takes a long time to build it. But after you build it once, you just duplicate, switch out some photos, switch out the text, and send it off again. So, like... That's a great we, idea. We, we were supposed to do this podcast earlier, and uh, I actually was working on three different pitches. And that's kind mm -hmm. of one thing that, you know, as a creator... You need to think about, like, you're not just going to send off one pitch and you're going to get someone to say, okay, great, let's do this. Like, I'm constantly sending pitches out and I'm constantly hitting different companies to try and find people to sponsor the videos I want to make versus waiting for people to come to me. And some of my biggest sponsors have been when I reach out to a company and I say, hey, this is the film I want to do and this is what I was thinking and this is how you would integrate into my channel. And those sponsors end up getting the most excited and they end up putting the most down. They end up putting the most money into those projects. That's amazing. Um, what about agents? What do you think about agencies, different like YouTube companies that uh, there's a couple of guys that, um, I mean, you and I have worked with, uh, with Indie Mogul, with Kinetika and your own channel. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So, okay, it's it seems like a great idea, but don't get locked into a um, 
exclusive deal because the the thing is like they might they're good to bring you some deals here and there but i found that you know i end up getting bigger deals and better deals when i just do it myself as the creator um and so you know i work with someone who brings me brand deals and i still work with him but i'm not putting all my eggs in that basket like i'm letting him yeah. go after certain companies and the companies that he has relationships with and then i'm going after different companies and putting a lot more effort into getting bigger projects from those. I was actually talking with a sponsor yesterday. Um, I had them on a, a FaceTime call, and that's one big thing. You don't want to do everything through email. You want to get someone on a FaceTime call and talk them, talk to idea. them face to face. Like super important because I was talking to this brand, and they're they work with a bunch of creators. Like it's not a small brand. They have a bunch of creators that they sponsor. And they were saying, like, you're the first person that's jumped on the call and actually, like, done this in person. They were saying everyone's been so impersonal. And on top of that, they said that they've been dealing with all these agencies. Um, mm -hmm. There's a few big ones out there that I'm sure people have heard of. And then there's all these other smaller ones. But they said they've been dealing with them. And they take so long to get back to them that the company doesn't want to work wow. with agents anymore. They want to work with individuals because oh, it's just wow. a pain in the butt. That's actually a really good point. And you're hearing it here on the Golden Hour podcast that um, these companies are burnt out from these agencies. So if you're a smaller creator, just go after it. Don't don't think that you have to have a certain like sub count. I know for me personally, once I did hit that kind of 50,000 subscriber point, and it might be 100,000 these days, things keep going up. But once you do reach a certain threshold, it, it does seem to give some sort of sense of legitimacy to companies to want to work with you. But honestly, even if you're smaller, don't hesitate to just go after it. And like Jevin said, like you're going to be pitching six, 10 different people a week. And all you need is one person a month to pay you a grand a month to do, you know, an ad read. And there you go. Boom. You just, you just made some serious money and you did it yourself. And you don't have to pay an agent anything. I've worked with agents and, um, the most I've had to pay out was, I think, 15% of what the brand deal was, which isn't terrible. But um, but some of these agencies take 20, 30% of the, of the money. And often, too, like you're kind of a lower priority because what the strategy is for these agencies is to they'll bundle together a bunch of similar creators. So actually, Jevin and I were part of the same agency group. So like you know, Squarespace would pay, say, you know, $100,000 a month for, for sponsorships in the camera niche. Well, Peter McKinnon, Kai W., uh, Jared Polin, Ger Gerald Undone, Jevin Dovey, Dave Mays, we're all in that same bucket. And of course, you know, Kai W. and Peter McKinnon are going to get a bigger cut because they're a bigger creator. So when it comes down to, you know, <laughs> to me and Jevin, um, and Jevin was making more than me, I, I'm sure, uh, as well. But, like, you're not getting the full amount that you probably could get if you were to just go after and do it yourself. But then now you're having to do administrative work. And I personally hate doing emails and stuff, but I love the idea of doing FaceTime or Zoom calls with the client. That's yeah, a really great way to, to connect with them. I think one of the hard things about being a creator is this um, aspect of wearing so many hats. And yeah. one thing that I've been doing for the last few months has been like streamlining everything so that I don't have to like tinker in all these different avenues. Yeah. And I, I think that's super important because like, you know, building out a pitch template made my life so much easier. So now if I want to go after a company, I put it in a pitch template, send it out like, boom, it's done. I don't have to yeah. think about it. Um, and that's with everything that I comes with building my YouTube channel and managing it. Everything is streamlined and everything is put through Notion. So I use Notion for everything. All my to-do ah. lists, all my... Everybody's talking about Notion. I got to get into Notion. You need to get into Notion. <laughs> I haven't done any videos on it yet, but I've basically built like this crazy database where I go in, I have my to-do list, I have all my video ideas. You click on a video idea it has all of my templates that I need, everything, all the links that I need. Like it's all in one place and it's in a way where I've built it in a way where I'm not having to do things that take time. Like I just, I want to, what I want to focus on is I want to make films. Like I, yeah. my passion is to make like these adventure films. Like I really enjoy making them. 
And the more administrative work that I'm doing to try and like keep my channel going and get sponsors and, you know, get all of this and make everything kind of keep moving forward, it, mm. it's, it really bogs you down. And I got stuck in that hole where I just like had so much going on that I've basically said no to most things now. Um, mm. And it's getting to that point where I'm like, no, I'm just not going to take on anything unless I specifically know I can do this on this day and that's and I'm going to set it in stone. But otherwise, I'm not taking on a bunch of different things. So like, I'm not going to just have this laundry list of things that I have to do anymore because that takes me away from making the projects I want to make. So um, I was just, you know, I check my email like once a week, to be honest, because uh, I hate email so much. And I was doing my weekly email check and um, a family friend of mine sent me an email like it's a, a girl that I grew up with and you know her mom and my mom are best friends and you know we're just friends with this family member uh or a friend of the family and uh she was just like hey I was just getting into YouTube looking up like YouTube education stuff and sure enough your face pops up on this video called YouTuber mistakes on some guy named Jevin Dovey's video and I just I can't tell you how many people have texted me or like tweeted me and said, Oh, I saw you on Jevin's video. Uh, what is it? YouTuber mistake. Just, if you just that type in video, YouTuber mistakes, you probably will pop up. Yep. I mean, there, there it is. is. So my face is in the thumbnail and we got old Gerald undone with long hair in there. We got old Josh Yo, Donna did it. Sydney Deong's in a great little crew of guys, but there's something about that thumbnail. The thumbnail is actually really solid. And I love how you actually included all of our faces somehow. And then, you know, the topic is great mistakes new YouTubers make and the 15 tips to avoid them. And now, like, you are not the only person that's done this. Uh, it's kind of, you kind of started a trend. Like, I've seen other people do it, but I think that video is probably the most successful one. It has type, over just type in YouTuber mistakes views. and take out my name and see what pops up. Because that's what's, yeah. YouTuber mistakes. You know what? I'm going to go into a private window and see if it's actually true. Okay. So this is... Little this YouTuber is hack. Put things in private window and search and you'll see what is ranking at the top. So when you're doing a search-based strategy, oh, you want to see what ranks and you want to get up Your boy Nick Nimmin is on top. Yeah, I mean... So you're right there. You know what's funny? Check, Click that Nick Nimmin one. That's a collab I did with him. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> Well, I'm not logged into premium, so I'm sitting here oh, watching yeah. a, uh, an ad. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a collab me and Nick did. Um, we actually. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so you're on you're on top. You're on the top two, and then and then also sidebar. There you are as well. And by the way, this is a nice little plug. Uh, go over to the Golden Hour uh, YouTube channel and subscribe so that you can follow along and see what we're talking about. We have a lot of audio listeners, but. Um, Tell me about this video. Why do you think it's so popular? Why has it got over a million views? And what is it about this video analytically that you've seen over the last, gosh, it's almost been two years. Can you believe it? It's crazy. Um, well, we, yeah, I mean, this video. That was in your really old off. podcasting studio. Yeah, where am I? I'm, yeah, here we are. I was wearing my Sesame Street yeah. shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, you really pulled dork. out all the stops for that one. Uh, that's such a Dave uh, thing to do. I It's wrinkled, you know. Well, it's hilarious because that, that like, video was so like, like it kind of felt like a throwaway video in a way. Like I just sent out messages to a bunch of creators and I was like, hey, I want to make this video. I want to do, you know, the mistakes YouTubers make. This actually wasn't a trend that was like huge yet in this niche and um, like the YouTube education niche. And you know, a lot of comments in there I get are like, hey, why'd you just get like a group of guys together to make this video? And I'm like, well, these are the only people that actually responded to make the video. I actually invited a lot of people, not just guys in the filmmaking niche, but that's who responded. Um, so, and, it's, and we're all friends. Like, I know all these guys. Yeah, I mean, but we're, all, we're all buddies. So, it, like you said, it was just kind of a throwaway thing. Like, hey, I'm trying to do this. And like you said, we're the only ones that gave you content. So. Yeah. And it's funny because like, you know, the like like your video, it kind of I remember you were trying to make this and you were like, hey, I got to like I'm just getting done with a podcast. Like, I'll just do it real quick for you. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was something like you had to like last minute, and I and I think um, yeah. I mean, everyone just kind of sent me. Uh, Josh Yo did the I think the best. Like he did a really cool cut with his. Um, you know, he was super. Yeah, creative he actually with his. edited it right. Yeah, he did like, like he, a creative edit with his, and it came out really nice for his section. Um, and then like the rest of us did full like Joshio edit. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think the reason it popped off is because of timing. So this was a topic that does well in a lot of other niches. So you biggest mistakes of X. Those videos perform well. Like that's just a thing. People kind of want to figure out what the mistakes are in something, and then uh, make sure they don't make them. So I actually borrowed this idea from a video I did previously, which was the biggest drone mistakes. And that video is, does very well on my channel. And so I was like, oh, biggest mistakes in the drone community. That video did well. I'm going to do biggest mistakes YouTubers make. So I just kind of changed the kind of the theme or what the, we were talking about. And, you know, it, 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 I don't remember if it took off right away. But what happened is that video specifically has a high audience view duration. Um, I don't, I'd have to look at what it is, but it's over 10 minutes. Um, the video itself is what, 18 minutes? Yeah, it's, it's over 18 minutes. So it's a long video. It gets a long average view duration. And those kind of s signals when, and those signals when you have a YouTube channel or, <clears throat> and those signals when you have uh, a, a video that has a long average view duration and this video is also getting a high click-through rate those two things together basically push it and suggested so this video is a hundred percent getting pushed and suggested it doesn't really it pops up in search but the majority of the views are coming from suggested well like i said like my my family friend she's literally just researching how to start a youtube channel and if you like i i'm in the stupid video and I'm like watching some YouTube, like I might watch vidIQ or uh, video influencers or think media for like a quick like tip. And then there it is on my sidebar. It's like YouTube. I've watched this already and I'm in it. Like, <laughs> well, it's it funny because yeah, like, like that video, that one video gets suggested like all over. So, yeah. <laughs> but in comparison, you look up my video, how to vlog which is performing mm -hmm. above I've seen that as well. It's performing above Peter McKinnon, it's performing above Casey Neistat. Oh, that's I mean, top, dude. That's number the, 1 for how to vlog. That video wow. is almost 100% getting views in search. So like no suggested, no browse. Like two completely different ways of getting views, but both of those videos are doing well. And this is why like you don't want to have just one strategy for your channel because um, you know, your video can pop off in different ways. Like the the drone, the 13 uh, drone moves that's being performing well in browse but it hasn't hit suggested yet and it's not getting any views from search also i, I think this proves too that like m doing something like how to vlog or youtuber mistakes you want to you want to think about titles and, and and concepts that do have longevity that like i can watch the how to vlog beginner's guide video and still get value today even though you posted it three years ago now vlogging as as a topic in general ha, ha, isn't as popular as it was three years ago but it doesn't matter like at this point that video has really just like hooked into the algorithm you have so many hooks that it's attached itself to that anytime somebody's looking for something anywhere close to this like demographic it's going to suggest it and it just proves again that like if you just remain consistent and even if you're not seeing results now, if you just keep consistently cranking out videos, things like this could pop off like deep frying a turkey. You deep fried a turkey uh, four years ago and posted it on your channel. You told me you made like $2,000 off of ad revenue or something crazy like that every Thanksgiving. So that's that's a funny story. If you look it up on my channel, it's how to deep fry a turkey. And this was back when I was in my vlogging days when I didn't really have a strategy for YouTube. So I was kind of just throwing videos on my channel and making videos. And my wife's father deep fries turkeys every year. So we were like, hey, let's do a tutorial on how to deep fry a turkey. And there he is, deep frying a turkey. Um, <laughs> it's just like... Deep, fry, deep frying turkey expert. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a... It's not... I mean, it's just a... It's kind of a funny video. It's kind of just like 
him deep frying a turkey. But that video performs super well in search in November leading up to Thanksgiving. And then on Thanksgiving itself, like the amount of views that I get on that video, I think this year it got 150,000 views in one day. Wow. Now that video made me $1,500 in one day on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Gosh. Like in- I love how he's wearing the, uh, the, the apron. Oh, there's so much, there's so much goodness about that video. Like it's just, it, it, it doesn't fit my channel at all. It has nothing to do with what my channel is. And like the reason I've kept it on is because every Thanksgiving I get this surge of views and it's a little, it's a nice little pay bump. Like each year it's grown. Yeah. Also, that's the best time of year in terms of CPM in general. Uh, brands are really pushing uh, ads around Thanksgiving because it's the holiday season. So every YouTuber makes the most money from October to December. It's just, it's just one of those weird videos that seems to work well. And if you type how to deep fry a turkey in the YouTube in search, I think it's like number two or something. So again, it's one of those videos that uh, is getting a lot of traffic from search. But what's interesting is the number one video is from a channel called Art of Manliness. Um, That video pushes a ton of traffic into my video. So I think people are watching multiple (laughs) videos on how to deep fry a turkey so they can perfect their turkey on Thanksgiving. But what I think is crazy is the amount of views that I get. I'm in the private tab, and you're right. Yeah, it's number two. But the amount of views that I get on Thanksgiving makes me realize how many people procrastinate to learn how to deep fry a turkey till the day they need to do it. They're doing it day the day of. I'm sure wow. yeah, people. Right. You know, it's it's interesting. Like throughout November, like I get views, and then it just spikes. So I'm sure people are just rewatching it, which is a something to think about when it comes to your content. If you do have this kind of content where people rewatch year after year or like multiple times, that's going to help the YouTube algorithm in a lot of ways. Um, also, I have I have one video that's how to do uh, film fireworks. Every Fourth of July, it takes off, and it just it's kind of a you know holiday holiday videos around holidays are great if you can incorporate yep. them into your niche. There it is. Yeah, that's the number one performer. It's not a big topic. Uh, like it only has what sixteen thousand views. I know, but it's 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 niche and like like it's very you're the specific. Only one doing it. And yeah, I mean it's it's not like, but it's still the number one video when you search it, which is interesting. At least it is, right here. Yeah, I mean, well, let me let's go to a private. I just yeah, I think it's. I mean, that's yep, number one, dude. That's yeah. cool. So the overall state of YouTube right now, I mean, it's the beginning of a new year, twenty twenty one. A lot has changed. Uh, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'd love to just get your thoughts on it. Where do you think YouTube's heading? Um, again, we talked to Hayden Hillier-Smith. You and I both have been nerding out about Hayden for the last four months. So the fact that I was able to convince him to be on the podcast and actually get to ask him questions was just so much fun. Um, I, th- I feel like Logan Paul, I feel like uh, you know these guys just in that different stratosphere of YouTube really have a good pulse on what's happening on YouTube. It's starting to replace television. Um, what does that mean for us as as content creators? And what's what's the state of YouTube in 2021? I mean, I, I think YouTube is still in its infancy. Like people think that they're late to the game, but they're really not. I think the more that people transition off of traditional media like television or all of these different streaming platforms and turn to YouTube, like it's just going to make the creator more powerful in the way that like, people come to us for entertainment. So that's part of why I've been kind of changing my strategy a little bit and getting more into the entertainment side of things just because, you know, it's it's not so much about making your channel take off as much as videos nowadays. And that's uh, an interesting thing. Um, like my strategy, I feel like, would be so much different if I started YouTube now because the YouTube algorithm really pays attention to individual video performance not so much like the channel as a whole. Um, and so they want videos that are engaging and are going to keep people watching more and keep them on the platform. So then they can serve them ads and make more money. I mean, it's a pretty simple process. There. Yep. Mr. Beast always says it. He's like, people are blown away when I say it, but all you need to do to be successful on YouTube is have a convincing and enticing title and thumbnail 
that causes you to click the video and watch till the end. That's all YouTube cares about is if they show if they show a video to somebody and you click on it and watch it, that's it. So just figure out how to do those three things, uh, a good title, a good thumbnail, and make a good video. And another metric that I keep hearing him say over and over again that I'm trying to remind myself is that another kind of metric that YouTube can't track, but it's just a human nature thing is if somebody watched your previous video and they had a good experience watching that video, they'll be more enticed to click your next video. In a sense, that is its own form of clickbait by having a film or, or a video that's just so satisfying to watch. Like our friend Josh Yeo, I feel like almost every video that he's made has been so satisfying to watch because they're so masterfully edited and put together that even if his title and thumbnail isn't that great i'm gonna watch it because i know josh is so good yeah like we watched for his artistic side and what he brings to the table like he's a very good creator like he's got a lot of really good talent um and it's kind of like you know gerald undone like you know to what to expect out of a camera review or a product review when he does it and he's kind of like destroyed the market when it comes to reviews because everyone goes to him first <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny, but like if a camera comes out, I'm always like, all right, let's see what Gerald has to say about it. And then I'll go see other reviewers after that. Well, it's funny because we're all referencing him. So like in my video, I'll be like, uh, so yeah, so Gerald talked about how this channel or this camera has like 16 stops of dynamic range. It was actually a really great idea for him to find that niche. I got to have him on again. We had him on before he like really blew up. Uh, I'd love to talk to him again, but I feel like he's just really honed in on that niche for him because not only do brands love working with him because they know that he'll do such a good job, you know, a very thorough job reviewing the product, but it's also sort of helping that you and I are right here talking about him, essentially promoting his channel as we're kind of gushing over how good he is, right? Well, it's interesting because, you know, that's the thing, like the market is so big in terms of like, you are a person, you're an individual. And so like, yeah, camera reviews, a lot of people are doing it, but Gerald has his specific method and people know what to expect when they go to his channel. And mm -hmm. so um, having that kind of sense of like who you are and what you know you're going to make and how you're yeah. going to approach it is going to mm -hmm. resonate with an audience. And that's how people are going to see you. And so, I mean, I... This is like a big part of why I've kind of shifted my strategy to what I'm doing is because I want to make these adventure films and I want when people come to my channel, they they kind of get a sense of what they're going to find. Like it's going to be potentially product reviews and tutorials like I'm still going to do those. But what I'm going to be talking about is the footage that I've gotten when I've shot these adventure films. Um, and I think that's kind of like I've always wanted to do that. I've always tried to tie in this adventure kind of mindset. And this year I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to go all in. I'm not going to care. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. And yeah. so I've been like working really hard. I think the going to be really good. What's that? Yeah. I'm sorry I cut you off, but I was just saying, I feel like the upside is going to be really great. And you, who knows what could happen? I mean, brands are going to just love this type of stuff. Well, it's interesting. I was talking with a brand and they, like I was kind of explaining, you know, what my goal is with my channel this year and kind of how I'm approaching it. And they're like, man, they're just, they're kind of blown away. They're like, I haven't really seen someone approach this niche in this way. And they're, yeah. they're like, okay, I see exactly what you're doing. And I see how you can fit into like what we're doing and having a brand totally. like say that when we're sitting there having a call is huge. Like that's, that shows that like, you know, they can see what I'm doing and they want to be a part of that. And by the way, I, I love how you're saying that because here we are now, you've done two of these, uh, I guess three of these Overland films, but you've well, done kind of like four stories now, right? You did the, so it's, how I found the cow that made my burger, which, yeah, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I've actually done a lot more than the one few recent ones. Um, mm -hmm. like I've always kind of done some of these climbing films here and there. I just haven't really put as much attention to doing it. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I've kind of done once in a while on my channel. And then it's, uh, the last few, I've put a lot more effort into making them more what I want to watch. And so like the but, last one I just released, which is the newest Overland, like building out that film was, it was building out a film. It's a 30 minute video, 
But like yeah. I spent a whole day just figuring out story structure and planning out all of the scenes in a way where it tells a convincing story that is more engaging than watching a vlog of me driving my vehicle through the desert. Yeah. But what I was getting to is that brands now have something to see. And because you went out and did it and you're not caring about the views, you're not caring about how it's going to really affect anything. It's just, this is something that you want to be doing in the future. You just went out, made it happen. And now you have something to show for it. It's different when you're sitting down with a brand and you're just kind of conceptualizing with them and they're like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. But like you said, because you've done it now, these brands, you're able to actually have a phone call with them and say, hey, pull up my channel. Check this out. See how I did a drone video with the footage that I shot. And by the way, the film is really epic and beautiful. And it's just going to make your brand look beautiful because it's, it's attached to this film. Like they're, they're able to see it. And so it's so important to just get off your butt and go make something, even if there's no like monetary reason or no views there. It's just a proof of concept. You're able to show your client that you know what you're talking about. And often I've found, you know, no offense to people in this industry, but they may not have that creative mind that can kind of vision it. it, Like you can share an idea with me and I can see it in my head. Whereas, you know, people who work in a corporate job like that, maybe they're working for a brand, they might not have that ability. They need to kind of see it. And so it's important to be able to to show and tell. Yeah, proof of concept is huge. And this is why I create a pitch deck for every person that I approach, every sponsor, because these videos are embedded in it. And, you know, before I even get on the phone call, they've already seen all this and they, they get a sense of the brand. And I think one other thing that's super important is having a consistent brand and feel to everything you do. I mean, you look at... Um, The way I've changed my header and everything on my channel, like I'm pushing more into this adventure space. Before, it was a picture of me standing there and it said, learn filmmaking and YouTube. That tells a different story than, you know, my Jeep driving through like an epic landscape. Like that's a completely different story that I'm telling when somebody lands on my page. And this goes through the photos that I choose to put out there, the text that I use when I'm describing things, how I built my website, like... I've been thinking through all of it to try and create this cohesive look on what people see when they come to my brand and get a sense of it. And the reason is, A, it builds better subscriber base, people that actually care because it's people who want to be a part of this. And B, it's going to help sponsors know what they're getting themselves involved in and they're going to put money down to to be involved. Exactly. Um I kind of want to end our conversation with something that I, di- I didn't tell you about, um, but I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. There's a new social media app out there. It's called Clubhouse. I'm sure everybody that's on Twitter has been spammed with this app. Have you used it? Had you? What are your thoughts on the app? Is it a fad? Is it something that you think is a need uh, in the social media space to have a place uh, to communicate to, to other people? Just to summarize it, basically, it's kind of like having a Zoom call with a few people that's audio only with the ability to have, you know, as many listeners as you want, but then you can kind of, whoever's moderating the chat can let people in to speak. I've found it to be really amazing. There's been some incredible clubhouses that I've seen of like really big YouTubers, really big educators, just kind of almost revealing all the secrets because they know that it's a private app. Like you're not able to record the conversation and it's actually against the policy to record it. Um, What are your thoughts on the app clubhouse? Have you played around with it at all? Yeah. I mean, I've been jumping in different rooms and listening to different conversations and there's definitely some people who are doing very well at, at, you know, organizing it in a way where you can jump into a room and you feel like you're going to be engaged with it. Um, And then there's been other conversations I've jumped into and I'm like, this is just a bunch of people talking. So it's, it's definitely hit or miss. (laughs) Um, I think it's a great tool to connect with your audience on a different level and be able to do like a podcast, but then have anyone jump into it and be able to be a part of it. And I think that's kind of the coolest thing because podcasts are, you know, it's a great way to 
connect with creators or you know whoever you follow on a deeper level but this just takes it a step further where you can now be engaged with those people and be led into a room and ask questions um i i mean i also see people wasting way too much time on it like spending all their time listening to conversations i think yeah. But I, I I have seen a couple of YouTubers on there uh, almost every day. I'm like, what, what are you doing, bro? Like, go back to work. Yeah, I can't I mean, edit I think and do Clubhouse at the same time. There's this initial like buzz around it, and people are really excited. And I think as this this kind of like dissipates and it becomes more of like something that we just use in our uh, in the world of social media, I think it's going to be a great tool to kind of be that replacement for like conference conversations. As you know, this becomes more incorporated into like our day-to-day social media, it's going to be a cool way to do these kind of conference style conversations that you would expect when you went to something like an NAB, but they can happen anytime. So I think it's going to be great when creators start setting up like specific time, like, hey, this Friday, I'm going to do a clubhouse on this topic. And then a lot of people will get involved and then there'll be good conversations. I think right now there's just like a lot of buzz around it. And so people are just throwing up rooms. But as soon as, um, you know, it's it's too hard to like just jump into these rooms all the time. I think people are going to start planning out like, hey, Friday I'm going to do a YouTube conversation about growing your channel. Yeah, I mean, I was I was in one clubhouse um that was talking about clubhouse and um you know, in our filmmaking niche is definitely a bunch of people like, "Hey, let's chat about the Sony A1 or whatever." And like you have Sydney Diongs and Jason Vong and like it's cool that like all the YouTubers are kind of hanging out and chatting with each other, but it's also kind of a time waster, but um there was a clubhouse I was listening to and they were talking about these guys that have already monetized it. They're working with sponsors and what they're doing is like a uh, a trivia game. So they'll have trivia questions, and then the say you know the uh, the, the club this clubhouse. So it's like uh, pop culture trivia sponsored by Squarespace at ten o'clock, and then everybody joins, and then the moderator chooses you know ten people at random, and the winner wins a hundred bucks, and they they email them a, a gift card, and like it's a cool way to to kind of monetize it already and uh you know it's an interesting concept and your brain can start to think of ways to figure out how to you know i think a, a game show type of thing is a good idea to to have uh sponsors attached to that um and like you said if if it say it was you know in my case here with this podcast i could end the show out with like a q and a with my guest or something and it could be cool in that way, but I don't know. It's I don't know if it has longevity um, like a Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. I think it's more in the Periscope meerkat kind of category where it's cool now, but um, I don't see it being like a forever thing. But it's a nice tool to have, and I'm sure somebody's going to buy it out and it'll just be part of Instagram before you know it. Well, I was going to say, I think uh, it being a part of Twitter would be like the best way for that app to integrate into something we already use. I think Twitter's doing it, isn't it? Aren't they? Yeah, they're they're already doing um, cl- they're already doing a clone of it. What's it called? Um, it's called Spaces. Twitter oh. Spaces. It's yeah, the because exact same concept. I mean, it's interesting because on Twitter we already have these conversations with other creators, like our niche. So you know, being able to just like put everyone on a call real quick and like have that conversation going. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to have longevity. I know for me, I'm trying to like reduce the amount of social media that I'm a part of all the time. Like I want to make my videos, do a little bit on Twitter, like hang out on Twitter a little bit and like posts on Instagram once in a while. But I honestly want to like spend less time on social media. <laughs> I'm with you <laughs> in that case. Uh, that's a great way to end it today. Thanks again, Jevin, for being on the Golden Hour Podcast again for the third time. If you're not already following Jevin, what are you doing? Go over to uh, YouTube and search how to film fireworks, and the first result is his channel. So or you could sure type in how to deep fry a turkey. Or you could type in YouTuber mistakes or how to vlog. Jeez, he's such a mastermind. Or you could just search Jevin Dovey, of, of course. Uh, thank you, Jevin, for joining us. Uh, today and for this great conversation.
yeah, thanks for having me on. It was uh, it was fun. It's good to do video. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. I, I'm happy to do it. It's been a, a fun journey for me. And we'll do a YouTube clips channel soon as well because I think there's more value in that for people on YouTube. There are people who like to watch the whole hour long conversation, but I think you know breaking up some of the little, little, nice highlights that you gave me, those little nuggets, like that's going to do better on YouTube probably. So yeah, I I'm think, see how that'll I mean, that's, that's the whole search-based strategy, right? Like individual nuggets yep. of information that someone grabs on. Well, anyways, yeah, I'll talk to you uh, tomorrow on the phone. Are you done with the podcast? <laughs> yeah, we're done. Okay. Hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with my good friend, Jevin Dovey. This is number three. Hopefully we'll have him on for number four soon enough. If you haven't subscribed to our new YouTube channel, go over to youtube.com and search for Golden Hour Podcast. Uh, you can see our video conversation and see some of the things that we we're talking about in the video version of this show. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. Follow me on social media at Dave Mays on Twitter at Dave Mays underscore on Instagram. And we'll see you next week.